another episode of the podcast. I hope everyone's having a wonderful week. It's been uh, actually, I think, a couple of weeks since my last episode, and it's just one of those things. It's been uh, super busy, uh, but I thought I would get back on it and. Uh, continue with the idea and the vision of just doing that reflection on uh, the book by George Gross on the innovator's mindset. And so this week, we're going to take a look at chapter four. So in chapter four, uh, George talks about relationships, relationships, relationships. And, you know, it's one of those things. Um, I would say, you know, the in, in my journey in education, it's something that I've learned along the way on how important it is to start with relationships. And, you know, sometimes we think of ourselves as teachers in the, uh, you know, in our schools and we have these great ideas. And, you know, sometimes we have it in our mind that, you know what, if everyone just you know, felt the way I did about this or believed in this as much as I do, then, you know, things would just be great here at this school. And one of the things that I've noticed is before you can get people to buy into things that you're doing in your classroom or maybe divisional-wide strategies and things like that, the first part is building those relationships. And, you know, I can't say how you know, amazing it is once you have those relationships built, a lot of the times people are more open to your ideas because they know that you care about them and that you're open to their ideas also. And so in uh, George Kuros's, uh chapter four, he talks about relationships. And so again, you know, in the podcast, I like to take a few uh, passages and just read through them and then provide some insight. So in chapter four, it's one of those things that, you know, when I was reading it, um, the first part of it is just, you know, a few flags went up for me. And I think it just a lot of it has to do with my role as technology enabled learning and teaching consultant where, you know, in the first part, you know, of the book, George talks about, you know, us allowing teachers and we shouldn't put barriers when teachers want to try stuff. They, you know, we should just be looking to say yes and, and encouraging teachers to, you know, to just dive in and try the different, you know, platforms, uh, whether they're cloud-based or maybe it's a company that, you know, is offering, um, you know, the use of the service in the classroom. And the only part, I think the only revision I would make to this section of the book is talking about the importance of student privacy. And, you know, for us as teachers, it's the starting point, you know. So, again, I think that, you know, the whole idea is we don't want to be discouraging teachers um, from trying new things and being innovative in the classroom. But I think we have a bigger responsibility to the students, and, you know, the nice thing is, you know, with the green zone, red zones, you know, green zones being safe and secure content um, owned by the board and red zones where the information is, is basically owned by the company of either the app that you're using or the online um, platform that you're using. They own the content. The end of the day as a teacher, if you do your due diligence, 
and you're ensuring that nothing is identifiable, you know, so again, uh, student information is protected. You have permission from, you know, the parents and the parents are endorsing it. The school principal's aware and he or she is endorsing it. Then you're good to go. And I think that that's the part that George uh, talks about is that we really want to encourage teachers to be risk takers and to try different things. But I think in, in the first part of the book, that's not there. And, you know, one of my hypotheses of why it's not there is just because, you know, this idea of student privacy is becoming now more and more um, common language, I would say, throughout the province of Ontario. More and more teachers in different boards are talking about this idea of green zone, red zones. I've been in this role for four years, and four years ago, no, very few people, I shouldn't say no one, but very few people were talking about green zone, red zones. So it's exciting because we're making a lot of progress on that front. But then to dive into the first passage, so. Uh, the first one here is the differing of viewpoints here of the classroom teacher and the school teacher. The classroom teachers are those who do great things within their classroom and will do great things with their students. School teachers do all of the above. The difference is school teachers consider every student in the school as their own, no matter if that child is in their grade or subject at the time. School teachers see things like supervision as an opportunity, not a chore, because it is a time to connect with other students and get to know them on a different level. And that super resonated with me. Um, you know, just speaks to me and the journey that I had in the classroom. And, um, you know, I just remember, uh, you know, you know, whether it's walking through the school throughout the day or again, as mentioned here on recess, um, you know, coaching the different teams that I coached, that was probably, you know, when I was put in roles of mentoring teachers, you know, I couldn't underestimate, you couldn't underplay the impact of, you know, connecting with students that you didn't necessarily teach or coaching, um, you know, a team and having students from different classes you know, on your team and getting to know them. And that I find always paid tenfolds because A, you make a difference in the lives of the students when you take the time to connect with them. But also more importantly, sometimes, you know, it could be two or three years down the road and that student that you had that connection with out at recess, maybe in grade three, is now in your grade six class. And that student remembers that first interaction and of you being really friendly and fun out on yard recess uh, with the students. So again, I think George is uh, bang on there. Um, he also talks a bit about the capacity building. And again, this is another passage that resonated with me and I'll provide some insights after. So one of the challenges with the large group workshop model is that no matter how hard we try to differentiate, not everyone will get out of the day what you or they might hope. There are times when large group sessions are necessary to develop a shared vision. But to move people from their point A to their point B, I believe it is necessary, as Garwandi mentions, to create regular opportunities for human interaction that help build relationships and spur innovation. So again, you know, it's one of those things about you know, providing different ways for our teachers to learn. And we have the, our system days where we bring everyone in. And again, those are important days where we connect as a larger community, but also providing, you know, whether it's, you know, capacity building online, opportunities through CPLCs, things like that for teachers to get together and share their expertise. 
um, you know, sessions where I, I know in my role, I've moved away from setting the agenda, you know, like I'll, I'll always arrive at a capacity building session with a plan for sure. But what I'm finding now, uh, what is way more effective is when I actually allow for the teachers to set the direction. So I might put out a couple of ideas, but before we get rolling, I always ask them the why. You know, what is your why? What are you trying? Why are you using the technology? And what are your goals? What are your desired outcomes? And I find that when you're able to, with a small group of, of educators, you know, meet them where they're at and provide them with simple next steps, it's so much more effective than, you know, if I'm coming in with this plan and I have a goal to get them from here to here to here. But what happens in, collab- in uh, capacity building sessions is sometimes, you know, we encounter all kinds of different scenarios. You know, sometimes the technology doesn't work. Sometimes, you know, people come in with different ideas about technology, some positive, some negative, and barriers happen. But I, the, but I would say the, the thing that I've noticed the most though, is that when all of those things do happen, when you're meeting teachers where they're at, they're always more open to the learning. They're always more open to, you know, working through those problems because they know at the end of the day that I've heard them and that we're tailoring the learning to what they're looking for. And so there's a goal to really uh, persevere through it. So I thought that that was really cool. Um, Another idea here is our job sometimes is simply to be the spark, help build confidence and then get out of the way. Wow, isn't that amazing? You know, and again, it just speaks to what I said. You know, sometimes it's just meeting people where they're at, give them a little idea, get them rolling. And then once that confidence is there and, you know, the idea of, you know, technology sometimes won't work, but it's all good. Develop little tools in your toolkit to overcome them. And then before you know it, um, teachers are off and they're growing. And what we're seeing in our board now, which is uh, probably one of the most rewarding things is, you know, the impact that this is having on our student learning, but also that, you know, it's, it's not only myself that is now going out and doing capacity building. We have teachers from other schools now that through different, you know, whether it's TLLP or CLCs, different grants are now offering up their time to go and support teachers either from within their school or also, which is super cool, in other schools also. So again, you know, we think of those little rewarding moments, uh, you know, now in year four of this role, really starting to see the fruit of the vision uh, blossom and grow. And it's just amazing to see it now happening uh, as a community. And again, coming back to what George said, relationships, relationships, relationships. And a big part of that is that uh, built into our vision. And so finally, sometimes empowering just one person is all it takes to push an entire group. And again, uh, that's something else that we've seen, uh, you know, just, you know, giving, you know, a couple of teachers in each school, um, you know, empowering them, enabling them with some really cool tools. And before you know it, you have teachers walking down the hallway, peeking into the classroom, you know, asking, hey, I saw you were doing something there, look really cool. Or students came into my class, they said they did this really cool thing in your classroom. Can you show me how to do that? I'd love to do it too. And so again, um, exciting times. And I think in this chapter four, relationships, 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 George captures it well. Everything, all of our goals, 
that we can, um, you know, that we're looking to meet with our students in relationship to their learning and themselves growing as students happens when we as a staff work together and have strong relationships. So I hope you enjoyed this episode of the podcast. I hope everyone has a wonderful week and take care. Mm -hmm.